faithful one, so unchanging and ageless one, you're my rock of peace, Lord of all, I depend on you, I call out to you. Heavenly Father, what wonderful words, what wonderful truths, what wonderful rest we have in you. You are our rock, O Lord. David would cry, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lord, there's times we're in this world, we see it's almost incomprehensible, the needs around the world, but Lord, you're the faithful one. You're our shelter in the time of storm. Father, we look to you one more time tonight. Father, we've identified some needs around the world. We would ask with echoing with the needs of a body around the world for the Pruitt family. Just wrap, O oh Lord, your arms of love around them. Lord, we thank you for being faithful to Sister Karen, to Brother Tim, to the children, the grandchildren. We commit them in your hands, Lord. We pray for the brethren in Uganda. Oh, Lord, give them special grace. Father, we pray for the others that have passed on, Brother Stephen Francis and the family that's there. Lord, we want to come tonight. There's needs in our midst. There's people that are going through things. But, Lord, we know you're never too late. And we would ask you, Lord, minister to us. Give us grace for the journey. Now, as we open the word, we ask your blessing, and we pray, Lord, that you would just take the service. In Jesus' name we ask, amen, amen. Thank you to the musicians. I'll invite you to turn to Matthew 16. As I do, I want to bring you greetings from Brother John Andes. We were together with him yesterday. Uh, they have a little portion. We're not allowed to go into the United States, but there's a little piece of land 
that borders the Canadian border. It's called the Border Park, and you can meet there. And technically, we crossed the border, but we didn't pass through immigration. But we, we had a wonderful time of fellowship. He sends his love and his greetings. The Lord willing, we're going to try to have Brother John up here again. His enthusiasm is infectious. <laughs> Amen. We remember our dear brother. He wanted to send his greetings to you, Brother Harold, to your family, to all of you, and to us as a church. Matthew 16, we'll read from verse 18, and uh, we'll just read the one verse. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Wow, that's a guarantee. That, that, that's, I, if there's ever a time that the gates of hell are here, it's now. But you know what? There's a promise. They will not prevail. Why? Because God is a sustainer. He's watching over it. He waters it day and night. He looks over it, lest any should pluck it from me. And he will have a church. He will have a people. Go back to Psalms 27. Psalms 27. David went through many troubles. I love the Psalms because they tell of his uprisings, his downsittings, his looking to the Lord, and he was always continually looking to the Lord. And the Lord thought enough of it to record all of these in the Bible for our benefit. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked... Even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Now just pause there for a moment. This is David who was before the king of the Philistines. And they were ready to do him in. And David feigned himself to be a madman. I said, this isn't David. This is David who was running from Saul after he'd been anointed to be king. This is David who went through all kinds of things. But he's declaring the faithfulness of God. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Now this was such an important scripture. Brother Branham read it for the rapture message. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, the first three verses are the backdrop. Remember the last service of Brother On? The backdrop of chaos. But the focus is what? This. Verse 5, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. I, I would love to read the rest of the verses, but we're going to run out of time. But David goes on to declare uh, that He's overwhelmed, and, and when my heart was overwhelmed, I said, Lord, I seek your face. Hide not your face from me. Verse 11, teach me in 
Thy way, O Lord, lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Verse 13, I had fainted unless I'd believed to see the goodness of the Lord. Verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to read one more scripture. It'll be sort of the basis of where we're going today. So I'll invite you to turn to Malachi chapter 3. Now I am speaking on, I will build my church again. And, you know, sometimes I'm only on part 6. I was looking at a service, some of the brothers in the U.S. They're on part 123. And I, I go, man... (laughs) <laughs> so I like to put a subtitle to it. Maybe that's for my benefit, because I'm around it, I'm going at it this way, I'm going at it this way. But let's, let's take this, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So I want to speak on suddenly coming to his temple. And if I can, I need to just get a little bit of a runway Brother Obed called me, he, he was called the helicopter preacher in our midst because he would just start preaching. And then he says, but Brother Ed, he needs a runway. He's a 747, needs to take off and land. And yeah, I, I, everybody's built differently. So you got to be who you are. Now, we've approached this topic in a number of different angles. We took from Colossians chapter 1, the authority of God, and and we talk about the subject of he'll build his church. He would say in Colossians 1, verse 17 and 18, he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now, God has always desired a temple, a dwelling place, a place that he can manifest himself. We know that God is a spirit, a spirit you can't see, but when you see a vessel that houses that spirit, you see certain characteristics, you see how it behaves and how it acts. So God desired to indwell in man. That was his ultimate temple. But Satan also desired that. So in the Garden of Eden, it was Satan who found a way to gain an indwelling, but God's purpose does not change. And I will build my church. Now it's not so much building a temple. It's not so much building a physical beams and structure. That's representative of the greater plan. 
Because he's desiring to bring us back to the Garden of Eden. Where, where there was fellowship, where there was oneness between man and God. Between the woman and the man and God. It was perfect harmony, perfect oneness, perfect unity. And he's desiring to bring us back to that place. So we approach this from the authority of God. We, we went into how God would say to Peter... By revelation, the rock was not built on Peter, neither was it built on Christ, but it was built on the revelation of God to the individual personally. And that was God's, that was the ultimate way God would have of expressing himself because Satan would come by knowledge, Satan would come by emotion, he could get into all these other channels, but Satan could never give a true revelation of the word. That was reserved from God. So we, we approached it that way. We kind of went into the fellowship under the blood. We spoke a little bit of God's choice and we took a few others, but I'm not going to get into all of it. I want to I take it uh, from, let me, let me just put it this way. We know that there's a, a process that God uses. God being so infinite and so great, he, he couldn't reveal himself to us in one, one, one shot, so to speak. Here I am. But because we're just so finite and so mortal, there's only so much we can handle or appreciate. So even when you go in the Old Testament, it's not just dull reading, but all of the laws are a shadow of Christ. All of the feasts are a shadow of Christ. All of the prophets were shadows. They were building an image of him that we could see. And it was something so we could comprehend, that we could take it in, that we could uh, receive it. And, and all of these were we're preparing us for what God really wanted to do. Right. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, if you can turn to that, Mark. I, I, Brother Mark, I, I, uh, I was busy just pulling some thoughts together, and I didn't give them all my scriptures, so I'm just going to give them a moment to catch up on some of these as we bring them. But in, Mar in Romans chapter 8, in verse 28, and we, we, we recognize this is a... Uh, a portion of scripture we often refer to, but it, but it would it would be here that it said, "We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose." So, we went into that a little bit. The purpose of God, nothing can come between the purpose of God. There's nothing that can change that. God will see it come to fruition. And so Paul goes into that, he says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he called, and them whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, who is doing all this work? It's God who had purposed something, but he's in every stage of this. So Brother Branham would, would put it in such good language for us, and he would talk about even the story of our lives, the justification process, the sanctification process, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and he would say, it's likened unto a glass. 
And he says, there's a dirty glass that's laying out in the yard. And God determined, I'm going to pick that glass up with a purpose in mind. So when he picks it up, that is justification. That he called you no matter where you were, how dirty you were, whatever your family background was, whatever you had gotten into, and no matter how good you thought you were. Because that, that's just as much work as the other side. I, 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 I was in a church. I, no, it, it's we needed God. We needed him directly. So that was justification. That was him picking it up. That's you recognizing that he's called me and you responded. Abba, Father, here I am. Then there comes this middle stage where he has to, he, he's desiring to use this glass for a purpose. He wants to fill it with himself. But he can't fill it in that condition. And this is a process that's a painful process. So he's got to cleanse that. It's our sanctification. Now this is really where I wanted to get to, but I, you know, sometimes we, okay, I know where he's going. He's going to go this way, this way, this way. So I'm going to take a skip tonight. I'm going to go, he wants to justify us. He's already done it. That's why we're here. But he's going to come and fill us. Therefore, it behooves us to cooperate because you don't know when and when. Like, as, as we could say, you don't know the hour you're going to leave this earth. It'll happen when God determines. Sister Karen, God gave grace to allow her to linger, but he says, no, this is the time. And we can't say it because there's many, she was only 62 years old. And, and we could say, wow, is that the measuring rod? No, there's people that die younger than that. There's people that die older than that. But it's God's choosing. It's God's prerogative. And, and once God determines it, you are not in control. You're not in control. You, you, you go into a graveyard. You look at all these markers. And it has the date you were born. And the date you were born, I'll pick on somebody that I, I know. 1960, that was the year I was born. And then whatever year God determines, that'll be put on a, on a gravestone if time goes on. And, it, and there's... Quite often there's a date that you start at, a date you end, and, and then there's this dash in between. But the dash is the biggest part of the story. You know, you, you, we didn't have a say in the end, but what happened in between all of that was very important, had a relevance to where we were going. And once you've had a beginning and you have an ending, you can't go back and change it. You're going to enter into eternity. You'll hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or you'll hear other words. Oh, thou slothful servant. The one with the one talent that just buried it. He was still a servant, but he was slothful. Now, now we view it as, okay, well, it's just a one and done. You know, I'm either in or I'm out. But there's measures of what we attain in the glories. And it's by our service. Now, you're not going to buy your way into heaven. But because I love him because he first loved me. Paul loved him because Paul knew what he was and how he was doing injury. And Paul says, I've done so much wrong. And it was in Paul, I want to do so much more for God. Sometimes him who God forgives much, loves much. Him who forgives a little, loves a little. But I'll say this, if you ever fall in love with him, I couldn't live a thousand lifetimes to properly repay him for what he's done for me. Yeah. 
That the king of glory in his holiness and his splendor would come down and take my place and die on the cross for me and, and love me and chase after me and come after me. And even after I serve him, pick me up when I get dirty. Pick me up in this and still see that I make it. Oh, how can't you love him? So, so there is this process that God is taking everyone to. And, and he would say, so the cleansing of this glass, it needs to be cleansed. And once it's cleansed, then it's filled. And it's filled, and God uses it as a vessel in his service. Now, I'm, I'm going to focus on this just for a little bit. <coughs> the scripture in Malachi that we, we just read, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just referencing it again. I'll send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. Now, I'm going to come back to this in a minute. And the Lord whom you seek. Now, in Psalms 27, David had a desire for the temple of God. Brother Ray, that song was so appropriate that you sang, I Keep Listening. David was in a place that other people were not. The rapture will happen suddenly. And there'll be people who will be in tune and they will, it'll be sudden to the world. But there'll be people who were looking for it. Could this be the day? Is it the next step? Is it the next thing I'm taking? And to them, it will not be a shock. But to others, it'll be a shock. Now, if you look at the word suddenly, it says quick, unexpectedly, happening, done quickly, without warning. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at a couple of scriptures just to, to build this. So I'm just, we're, the plane is gathering speed and headed down the runway. So we're on Romans chapter eight, 9 again. We're going to go just, just to the book of Romans for a moment. But... Paul would say this in, in verse 28, and I'm just going to reference a couple of scriptures. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Now, there's an unfolding of events that's happening. And, and there's things that are happening that we can't control, but they're all converging. They say the scriptures that pertain to the death of Jesus, once the dominoes fell, you couldn't stop it. A colt was loosed. Within a week, he was gone. He was in righteousness. He was in glory. But the scriptures just unfolded rapidly, quick succession, quick succession. We're seeing events happen that are fulfilling prophecy very quickly. And it's almost uncontrollable. And when we, we can't stop it, it's a wave. I, I was listening to Brother Donnie, and, and I think Brother Donnie and Brother Ron Spencer are going to be taking the funeral for Sister Karen. So I think that's happening this weekend. So you can look for that if, if you want to see it. But I, I was listening to him, and he said, he says, we didn't expect to be shut down for, six, for, for two weeks. We didn't expect a hundred people have co we, we thought it would be this. We thought it would be this. We th but these, these are things that God, God is still in control. But it wasn't what we expected. 
And, and sometimes we think, you know, in our mind we have it worked out. Well, when California starts to sink, when, when this happens, when the Pope starts to do, when this and this, don't wait for those things. Stay in the channel and, and be the vessel that God can come to suddenly. Now, he says, he will finish the work, he will cut it short in righteousness. A short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read from verse 22. Now, maybe we'll go to verse 20, 21. We'll read that first. Matthew 24, verse and, and Jesus makes this statement, and you talk, I, I had a number of scriptures talking about um, where we're at in, in time and, and when my heart is overwhelmed and the book of Daniel, a time of trouble, but I'm not going to bring those, I'm going to stay focused on this a little bit. But Jesus would make this statement, for then shall be a great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. Now, you, you talk about a groaning. The world calls it climate change. I mean, we, we, we call it a nice summer. <laughs> but if you're a farmer, this is not the way it should be. And, and the earth is groaning. Everything is groaning. And the people of the earth are groaning. There, there is a... There, there, there is things that set people off like never before. They're talking about coming out of COVID. The whole dynamic of the workforce has changed. People don't want to work in a workplace. They want to work at home. And if they can't work at home, they want to get a subsistence check. It's, it's changed completely. And, and, and the whole dynamic, uh, it's, it's a different world. And so he says, now, there'll be a great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, never. Now, as the earth, as the earth is getting in the spirit of the tribulation and we see it's happening and it's building, it doesn't just happen at once. It builds to it. And the only thing that's stopping it right now is that there's a people on earth called the bride of Jesus Christ. The only thing that's holding back the wrath of God, he said, it's your prayers, it's your righteous life, it's the very thing that's stopping it from going over the top. And the fact that God may still have some elect. Now, but once that happens, it's going to tip. The dominoes are going to fall quickly. So Jesus makes this next statement, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. In other words, it was going to get so bad that even the elect would have trouble. Yeah. Now, he, he actually qualifies, he says, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. In other words, I'm going to orchestrate some events that, that it could have, should have gone further, but I'm going to pull it back and I'm going to cause a growth spurt in the body that'll be quick. And it'll be a short demonstration before the bride is off. Now, I don't have time to go into all those quotes today. But that's a principle. Now, I'm going to read something Brother Branham would say. Let me save it. 
Uh, let me save it. I'm just going to stay with this for the moment. So, Jesus says, I will, God will uh, take the conditions and, and he'll, he'll bring it quicker for the sake of the elect. Okay? Now, nothing happens just on, on a whim. So, when he says, I'll come suddenly, he may have been building for a long time, but there's people who didn't catch what he was doing. And I, I want to be able to catch what he's doing. Now, let's go to Proverbs 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And we will turn to verse 6. And, 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 and you can read verses 6 to 8, but Solomon says, look at the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> oh, man, how, how'd you like to have a government... Where's my stimulus check? Look at the ant. <laughs> I'm not saying this. People need it. Consider her ways. Be wise. You know, they, which having no guide, no overseer, no ruler, provide her meat in summer and gather food in the harvest. Verse 9. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? How will thou arise out of thy sleep? Now he makes this principle. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. And then listen to the train of thought that Solomon's going into here. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. Now these are just little things. Okay, it's just a froward mouth. Uh, a naughty person. He winketh with his eyes. He speaks with his feet. He teaches with his fingers. In other words, he's always delving into something, moving in a certain direction, going a certain way. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He sows discord. This didn't happen all at once. And, and so he's walking in a path. Whichever way a tree leans, that's the way a tree will fall. Now, now look at all of these things are building to something. So in verse 15, therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. I'll tell you what, this speaks to me. If I see something in my life that's not right, I say, Lord, don't let me leave it unchecked. Let me deal with it. Let me, let me, let me take the process of my sanctification seriously. Because you're going to want to fill us. You're going you're to have the fullness of the Jesus Christ in the body. Yeah. And therefore, not just the individual, but also to the body. Don't have schisms between the body. Continually work to connect the body, to be a positive influence to the body. That's where we're having to come to. So he says, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Now, let's just take that same train of thought. Isaiah 47. Isaiah 47. And you can turn to verse 8. And this is a warning that Isaiah gives. He says, Therefore, hear this, now this, Thou that art given to pleasures, that dwellest carelessly, uh, 
that sayest in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. Now he's talking this, the judgment on, on the daughter of Babylon, the daughter, he's, he's saying it, so it's referenced the female term. Verse 9, but these two things shall come to thee in a moment in one day. The loss of children and widowhood, they shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. For thou hast trusted in thine wickedness, thou hast said, none seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee, and, hast not, and thou hast said in thine heart, I am, and there's none else beside me. I, I, I was listening to a tape here, and it was Brother Branham and, and God's power to transform, not the power of, I think it's God's power to transform. And, and just the spirit, I think we sometimes need to hear the, the spirit with which the messenger was being moved. And he took about a half an hour and he's talking, oh, what is with people? Can't they see? Are they blind? They act like there's no God. They act like there's no judgment. They act like God doesn't see things. Friends, I, 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 I worry that when I do wrong that my heart isn't quick to repent. That I, that I just pass by it or just go over it. I, I want to be in the channel. And so he, he, he brings this statement Isaiah does here. And he says, I, I think I, I read the part I wanted to, I, I concluded in verse 9, verse 10. Therefore, verse 11, let's read it. Therefore shall evil come upon thee, thee thou shalt not know from whence it riseth, and mischief shall fall upon thee, and thou shalt not be able to put it off. Desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. I, I, you talk about an age that's blind and wretched and doesn't know it. Judgment is just hanging there. Well, it was a way I was, just came upon a little thing and they talked about, there's a, a documentary talking about all of the warfare that Russia has accumulated, all of the bombs, and, 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 and how they're so specifically targeted and lined up and, 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 and Brother Branham even makes reference that there's, there's bombs that have got the cities in the Americas. The names are on it. The path has been set. Listen, they didn't gather these bombs just to have them in a warehouse. Look at our warehouse of these bombs. What do you think of it? No, they're cocked, loaded, and ready to go. And there's a, there's a little part, there's a little quote in the message where Brother Branham says, one day somebody will have a little bit too much vodka. You know the number one producing country of vodka? It's Russia. A little too much vodka, and they'll push the button. And the war is on. Listen, this didn't happen overnight. This was in the planning, was in the works for a long time. Now, let's, I'm going to go to another one just to get closer to home. John 13. John 13, verse 21. Now this is, this is right within the framework of the church. This is now, Jesus is at the Last Supper. He is speaking to the disciples. And, and he says this, verse 21, When Jesus had thus said, 
he was troubled in spirit and he testified saying, verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And the disciples looked at one another and they all pointed at Judas. Or did I read that last part wrong? They looked at one another doubting of whom he spake. No, not one of us. We're all good guys. Now there was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, which was one of the disciples whom Jesus loved, which was John. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask him, hey, John, you ask him. And he says that he should ask of whom it be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Sion. And after the sop, now listen to these words. These, whatever Judas had done, he already had set in motion certain things. He hadn't gone to the Pharisees yet. He hadn't, he hadn't gone to sell them out. But in his mind, he was thinking thoughts. Now, I have no idea what those thoughts were, all were. But outwardly, he, and Brother Bannon would talk, Judas never came to Pentecost. He never came to an indwelling. But as he came to the door, and he came to it, now Jesus beckons him, he just gives him a little cue. Here, do what you're going to do. So in other words, there was something in his mind already. Now look at the next verses. And after the sop, Satan entered him. Those are chilling words. Now there's an indwelling that's beyond his control. Now this is the negative part. There's a positive to this too. And he says, and he says, and then Jesus said unto him, what you do, do quickly. Now no man knew at the table for what intent he spake this unto him. It, it, it happened quickly. And all of a sudden, the tables were, everything was in motion. Now, let's go back, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to reference the book of Malachi. I'm not going to, but in Malachi 3. Malachi is giving this scripture, the Lord shall come suddenly to his temple. Now, that was Malachi, Malachi being the last messenger in the time of the restoration of Babylon. And now there's a 400-year gap where nothing happens. Malachi, they may have asked, what was up with that prophecy? <laughs> the Lord will come suddenly to his temple. It's been 100 years, 200, 300, 400. Malachi, what's up with that? But all of a sudden, what seemed like a little lull, suddenly, there was a story of a wild man in the wilderness. Now, now I want you just to catch the events here. Let's go just for a minute. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 3, in the scripture, Isaiah says, The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So now there's going to be a preparation for God. 
And you think, oh, okay, but, but I, I want you to catch. 400 years, John comes on the scene. Six months, and Jesus is there. You talk about quickly, it happened quickly. It was not a long time after Malachi 4, verse 5, part A came on the scene. He'll turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. I'll tell you, it happened quickly. And if you didn't catch it or you weren't in the channel, you would miss the coming to the temple. So he says, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and every hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. The rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Now, to just catch the picture, let's just jump ahead. Matthew chapter 3. I know you know these things, but I want you to just catch a bigger perspective here for a moment. Matthew chapter 3. So we'll pick this up in verse 1. So he says this. And in those days John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Malachi records it this way. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the Lord, make his path straight. Now, this, the second part was all the high places will be brought low, all the low places brought high. People were looking for bulldozers to come in and change the mountains. But Jesus was talking spiritually. And he was saying, all these kingdoms that are built up, this guy's going to cut them down. He's going to shake them. I mean, this is the third coming of the spirit of Elijah. The first one was Elijah coming with four miracles. Then the second, Elisha with eight miracles. A further, this is Elisha with no miracles. But remember, there's a further part of John. It's going to be John with a message and miracles. That's what we've seen in our day. It's, it's you're thinking, the type was that it would happen quickly. You think, well, Brother Brown's been gone 55 plus years. Yeah, but I'm just saying, the events are in motion. And there's people that are not catching it. To them, it's going to be quickly. But to those that are in tune, and they recognize this is the last sign. Now we've got to get in the channel. There's no more signs. There's no more wake-up calls. This is the wake-up call. This is where we've got to stay. This is where we've got to go. So what does John do? Make the path straight. So he has this raiment of camel's hair, leather girdle around his loins, his meat was locust wild honey, kind of a rough guy. You know, he comes out to Jordan and they're all baptizing, they're seeing in verse 7, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to see him. And he looks at them and says, hey, I'm glad you guys came. I got a message for you. You generation of vipers. <laughs> I don't know if you've watched The Chosen, but those Pharisees were not too happy. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. I'll tell you what, John did not write the book on how to win friends and influence people. And think to yourselves, we have Abraham our father. I'll tell you what, the word was discerning. Yeah. 
And he says, now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree which my, it doesn't bring forth good fruit is being hewn down. I, now look, look at his message. This is the preparation. I mean, it, it's happening quickly. And he says, I indeed baptize to water to repentance. But he's pointing. He's got a message pointing to something. But he that comes after is mightier than I. His shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He'll baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. His fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor. He will gather his wheat into the garner. He will burn with staff the unquenchable fire. I mean, it's, you know, Brother Adam would make the statement, how can God bring the tribulation on the world except the people get in the last day's spirit? And you look what it took for the world to get into the last days. They're being conditioned for the tribulation. They're being conditioned to think that it's good because there'll be a foolish virgin that's here. It'll be good to hunt them down. It'll be good to imprison them. And if they don't have a little card or a little mark or a little something, they are not of us. That's what's coming to this world. Do you want to go into that or do you want to stay in this? I'll say, Lord, keep me in this. Because there's as much as that's coming to the world, there's something coming to the bride. It's lingering. It's being held back. You take what Brother Adam says and look away to Jesus. Now this third pull will not be in a great manifestation until the squeeze comes. But when the squeeze comes, and that quote that Brother Don Bablitz loves, when, the, when, the, when, when those that follow the pillar of fire will have a rough time, but they'll be ready for it. They'll be prepared for it. And God will come suddenly to his people. He's not going to leave us defenseless. I'll tell you what, his eye is on us right now. He sees every service. He sees our thoughts. He sees our motives. He sees what we're striving for. He knows them that trust him. And we can't control We don't know the hour of the day. There was four Hebrew children. Three of them. The fourth was Daniel. But three of them were not going to bow. And the king says, you bow. He said, we're not bowing. And he says, be it known, O king, even if you do what you're going to do, uh, and, and if we have to die, we're going to die. But we're not going to bow. <laughs> I'll tell you, that took a little bit of fortitude. This was not just going to a pump-up service the day, night before. Okay, when he asks you these questions, this is what you say. No, this was settled. This was in their hearts. This was locked in. They did not just, oh, you know, no, this was locked in. And when they walked in the fire, and listen, the Bible is so, God is so explicit. They walked in a furnace that was burned seven times hot, hotter than anything. The men that cast them in the fire were burned up in it. They had ropes on them. The ropes came off in the fire. But they didn't even smell like smoke. That's what the Bible says. You talk about a God that knows the line, knows exactly where we're at, knows exactly how to take care of us. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But stay in the channel because you don't know when he'll come suddenly. And he comes to his temple. He comes to those that are ready to receive him. He comes to those that have sanctified their lives before him. 
John. Where are we at? We could read more of this. You could go to John chapter 1 if you wanted to. We're not going to go it here. Let me read something Brother Branham says in the church age book. Because there's a type that happens here. They were 400 years waiting for a messenger to come. We've been through seven church ages, six church ages. One messenger came, one died. Looked like it was going into darkness. Luther came out of it, Wesley, they came out of it, climbed out a little bit. And then it looks like finally, in the Philadelphian age, the sixth age, I set before you an open door. And he, and no man can close it because God opened it. But when God closes it, no man can open it. So Brother Bam talks about it. He says, in, 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 in the Philadelphian age, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door. This is Revelation 3, verse 8. No man can shut it. You've got a little strength. You've kept my word. You've not denied my name. Now, in order to understand the meaning of Behold, I set before you an open door. Brother Bram says this, we must recall what we can say about each age running into another age. There is an overlapping, a melting into, a fading into, rather than an abrupt end and a clear-cut start. This age, the sixth age, particularly flows into the next age. And not only does this age overflow into the last age, but the last age is simply a carrying on of the sixth age. The seventh age, brackets, a very short age, gathers itself up for one quick work. All the evil of every age, and yet all the reality of Pentecost. I don't want this to be just words. I almost feel like playing this right now. And, and maybe I will, just because and I feel sometimes to do it, I have to do it. I was just talking to a brother. And sometimes I think we become dull to what God really wants of us. And, and God allows things, and we become accepting, we become this. But God wants us to move into what he wants us to. He wants to dwell in the church. He wants to dwell in his people. So I'm, I'm going to play this. I don't know if I can do it this way. I'm going to try it. This is... We have read it in the Bible where Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Where is it? We have read that he is a great healer. Where is it? We have read that the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for them that's far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Where is it in our churches? Where is that power that sets a church afire?
I listened to that, and I said, Lord, all eyes upon myself. What am I doing about it? Now, I'm not going to call down God, but I set my heart for God to come to his temple, for God to come to this church, to God to come to my life, to my family, to those that need healing, to those that need the Holy Ghost, to those that need it. Friends, we can't sit by, well, if God's going to send it, he's going to send it. No, we need to call on him for it. We need to ask on him for it. Lord, come, oh God, we pray. These are your promises. Now, I've got to finish these last couple of things. Zechariah chapter 4 would say these things as we just kind of try to wind our thoughts down. But it would talk about a headstone coming down. And it would say there'd be shoutings of grace, grace, grace unto it. And, and in Zechariah chapter 4, I won't be able to read all of it. It says in verse 9, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands will finish it. That you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Now this next verse is kind of a strange verse. Like God said, I'm going to do it. And he says this, who hath despised the day of small things? In other words, the little things God deals with us on are attitudes when we come in prayer, you need to fix this. Oh, it's just a little thing. Are you despising it? Are you saying, do I need to cleanse myself in order for the Lord to come to his temple? And that's why I, Brother Ray and I, we prayed in the office. One day we're going to look back at these services, even a Wednesday night, and we're going to say, it was important for me to be there to hear these words. I think it's important that we have a prayer life, that we listen to tapes. I, I read this quote, and the brother shared with me, and then we shared the way the prophet said it, and it took on a whole new meaning. And I said, Lord, where is that? And I believe we're in a season where God is allowing things to come that we can call Jesus on the scene. Now, I'm going to take just a couple of, I'm right at 9 o'clock, but I'm going to take two more scriptures, okay? Now, let's just go for a moment to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Now, here's this man. This is just as Peter is given the keys to the kingdom. Now, Here's this man, he's just an average guy. And the Bible talks about him. There was a certain man in, the, in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So, God deals with Italians. <laughs> but just, just, just take this for a moment. 
But, but look at his testimony. And this testimony may have gone unnoticed for a long time. A devout man. One that feared God with all his house. Which gave much alms to the people. And he prayed to God always. Now this is his testimony. He may have done this for year after year after year. And nothing much was ever said of Cornelius. But now at a time when God was making a transition and he had to deal with Peter and he had to deal with the church at that time, he's one day praying and the Bible says he, was in, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming to him and saying, Cornelius! Now, it came suddenly. It came quickly. But what was the groundwork? What was laid before that ever happened? There was a pattern of good works. And he looked on him and he said, what is it, Lord? And he says, your prayers, your alms have come up for a memorial before God. I need your vessel. And I'm going to use you. And he says, now you're going to go to one called Peter. (laughs) Think that God would use Somebody simple in the congregation. But God came suddenly. Oh. I, I, I just say, we don't know. Uh, my wife and I, we were at a meeting years ago. And my wife would not be one when the Spirit of God would come upon her to ever. She'd just begin weeping or worshiping quietly. But the power of God was... All of a sudden, she started screaming, Oh, Jesus! Oh, Jesus! And I go, like, that was not Sandy. That was God coming to his temple. And I I say this, and it did something for her. It wasn't just emotion. It did something for her. I say, let's be attentive. The Lord comes suddenly to his temple. Luke chapter 13, last scripture. Luke chapter 13. Verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there came a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And she was bowed together. And she could in no wise lift herself. Now, I I want you to think about. She walked like this. And this was 18 years. But she was looking for something. And Jesus sees her. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And he said, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Now, she had to be in the right place. God knew where she was. She was in the temple. But she'd come there many days. But this day, the Lord was going to come suddenly to her house. And you don't know where. And he said, and and he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And, And of course, there had to be a few legalists there. And said... 
you healed on the Sabbath day. And he says, there's six days you ought to work and not heal on the Sabbath day. And Jesus says, buddy, you have lost it. This woman, you hypocrite. You, you have an, uh, your, your ox goes out of the pen. You go and get it back, don't you, on the Sabbath day. But this, and he says this in verse 16, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, that Satan hath bound these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Get your head a shake. Look at what God is doing. I say, I want to see more of God. I don't want to drift into something. Let's push forward, my brethren. Let's press the paddle. Amen. Let's, let's have the musicians come. I, I said that'd be my last scripture. You know, we've had prayer meetings here. And, and a few brethren just had it on their hearts to pray. And I feel like if they want to pray, I want to make room for them to pray. Brother Andrew has been leading that, and we've been gathering, and we decided for the summer we'd shut it down. Although it was the first Tuesday after, and, and, and I'm feeling like, I need to pray. And, and, and then these prayer requests, so we all texted each other, wherever you are, pray for these needs. And then the next, went, next Tuesday came that we had to, and we said, let's pray. I'll tell you what, I, I'm looking forward to when we can pray again. Because I feel that God is in those things. It doesn't look like anything happening. But I would say the meetings we had with Brother Ron and Brother Andrew, they were a reflection of prayer. The things that God's going to do to us are the reflection of what we put into it. And it may be time after time and nothing happens, but God is watching. God sees every step. God sees everything we do. Be ready for him to come suddenly to your temple. God bless you. Let's stand together. Amen. We thank the Lord. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Oh.